I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are on the 12th lesson of this fourth quarter, all about education. And today we have a very special, very Seventh-day Adventist topic, right? Yes. The Sabbath, experiencing and living the character of God. Now, I got to tell you, friends, we've already had our pre-discussion, uh, uh, you know, preparation for this. And there's some richness in this lesson I'm yes. looking forward to. What are we? Uh, what are we looking at today? Kind of I'm going to have overview. to say from the beginning, though. I just sometimes these titles, experiencing and living the character of God. Like I don't even know that I totally got all that. <laughs> I'm not out sure of what lesson. it means, but okay. What, what I, I subtitled it: better Sabbath keeping. Really, the <laughs> lesson is talking about how we can get more out of the Sabbath, mm-hmm. uh, and it goes into the idea of, of God calling for Sabbath reform and other things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what we're talking about is. Better Sabbath keeping. Okay, way. and obviously it's going to be in the in the framework, the overarching uh, structure of educating people in the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is an education. We'll kind of That's get into right. that, uh, but really at the bottom line, it's an education for every one of us to enjoy yes. and better appreciate the Sabbath as That's God's right. given it. So, we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then Pastor Howard, if you can kind of give us the walking uh, walking through the lesson and give yes. us talking points. But let's start with a prayer. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this topic of study. Thank you for the Sabbath itself and for the richness it provides in our walk with you. Please, Lord, help us to have a deep study today and to truly uh, not just relearn about the Sabbath, but be reformed to keeping it as you would have us to do and seeing the blessing in our lives and the the lives of others as we live it out. For we pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look at it from 30,000 feet. Where are we going today? Uh, in fact, I, I, I'll correct myself before, I've changed the title to Educating to Getting the Most Out of the Sabbath. Even better. That's where we're going. Uh, talking point number one, drawn from Sunday and Monday's lesson, is that the Sabbath is a day of education. Interesting. Okay. okay. Yes, we're going to look into that a little bit further. Okay. Talking point number two is the Sabbath is a time for community. Okay. Fair and enough. Finally, I think people would agree with that. Yes. Talking point number three. And if they don't, they will when we're done. Exactly. Right? They will in a minute. Yeah. And number three, God calls for Sabbath reform in these last days. That's drawn primarily. So point number two is drawn from. primarily from Thursday's lesson. Mm-hmm. And then point number three was drawn from Tuesday and Wednesday's lesson. So and then when we get to that reform idea, that's probably going to be the larger portion of our study time today. Yes. It's got a lot of material there. Uh, but let's start with that first one. Number one, the Sabbath is a day of education. I thought the Sabbath was a day of rest, of fellowship. How do What does that mean, it's a day of education? Well, first of all, I, I wanted to touch on that. At the end of the lesson on Sabbath afternoon, it says, it, 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 it given this story, and then it says, it's an interesting story about how we can think of the Sabbath as not just a day for rest, but as a means of education as well. And my thought was, is the Sabbath a day for rest, or is it a day of rest? And... Part of the reason I say that is, and you're going to see this as we go through this lesson, I think for too many Seventh-day Adventists, it's become a day for rest. Sabbath has become all about, I'm going to sleep this afternoon, and I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to It's a day of not doing and not having to Or whatever. And the Bible doesn't teach the Sabbath as a day for rest. It's a day of rest. Mm. Um, For example, when we talk about the rest that God had, Genesis there, Genesis 2, 2, and 3, and Mm. God rested on the seventh day from all the work he created and made, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. It's interesting that that word is also brought up in Genesis 8, where it talks about how seed time, Genesis 8, 22, springtime and, and uh, uh, 
Harvest. Oh, I forget. Yeah. Summer, winter, springtime, and harvest will not cease. That word cease is the same word Shabbat. To Shabbat means to rest or to cease, not to sleep. Okay. And so I just want to make the clarification. It's not that it's wrong to sleep or get some kind of rest, physical rest on the Sabbath, but the Sabbath rest was not about God sleeping, was it? Right. Well, because God, I mean, the scripture tells us very clearly that God Ne never sleeps because they go I'm so right. worn out exactly okay. so when God rested on the seventh day so it, was, it wasn't to like refuel his tanks because he's so spent from his you know exertion of of creation when the reality is I mean the how God created obviously it's miraculous but it was just right. by the word of his mouth and he could call things into existence when the Bible says he was he rested, it's in the line of more of, he was refreshed, he rejoiced, yes. well, he reflected Well, that's what it says on. in Exodus 31, 17. Right, exactly. He rested and was ref refreshed. So, and if he doesn't get tired, then what did refresh, what would refreshed mean? I would have, I imagine it had to be like in the other days of the week where he looked over, reviewed it, and he would call it good. Yes, or right. at the very end, he could say, oh, very good. But the Sabbath, he even looks and after reviews everything he's done and the time that he's taken to do it, and he looks at, I mean, I'm, well, if you've ever about. taken a, a done a project mm -hmm. of any kind, and our projects don't come out like God's, right? <laughs> but you sure. still there's a there's a sense of like I restained my deck this summer, and it was mm -hmm. a chore. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you do when you're done? You want to get back the, you and stand lay back, sit a chair out there or something, and just oh, it's done, and yeah. you are refreshed. Exactly, and and so the type. So when the ceasing of work that God did was not from exhaustion and like I had to take a break physically, it was a refreshing. It was a, it was a right. re enjoying what he had done and appreciating it. Well, and that that takes us to Matthew chapter 11, and I have this in the notes where Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And mm. he says, You'll find rest unto your souls. The Greek word is suke. We get the word psyche, the mind. Mm. It's a spiritual rest, the point being that the, the rest that Jesus invites us into, that he wants to give us, the rest on the Sabbath, is primarily a spiritual rest, not a physical rest. Right. And so, and, and we could look this up a lot, but there's a lot of counsel in the, in the writings of Ellen White where the Sabbath is not just a day to, like, like in fact, you're actually dis desecrating the Sabbath if you spend the rest of your week in exhaustion That's so right. that you have nothing left to give, nothing in the tank on Sabbath, so you just have to physically revive and just sleep through it all. That's not what I God think did. It's, and, and it may be Testimony 6 that has a, a portion on Sabbath, you know, Sabbath keeping, whatever, and it talks about that idea of part of the preparation for the Sabbath is not to work yourself so hard that you're too tired to exactly. give God anything when Sabbath comes. Exactly. So again, that's not the type of rest that God did was a physical uh, revival. It was, it was a spiritual reflection. Right, and so in that context, the first Sabbath was a day of learning. You yes, picture it was. Adam and Eve on that first Sabbath, mm -hmm. like they first the first thing they learned is what it means to rest. They watched God rest. Yes. They couldn't have their own rest that day because they hadn't labored yet, right. right? So they're experiencing and all the creation and I mean you can't even imagine from our perspective like yeah. to, to be awakened and you know when we're born we don't have the cognitive abilities of a full-grown adult to have your first birthday like yeah the day of your birth to where you have enhanced ability to understand and then you're exposed to all god's works well yeah and now i think of like how um you know how the book of job talks about how the sons of god you know yes. sang together angels rejoiced and 
for Adam and Eve, like you mentioned, they were only created on day six. This is their first full That's day, right. and they get to witness the rest of God and how he did it and modeled it, right? And the Bible repeatedly talks about how the Lord rested, and therefore he blessed the seventh day. Well, And, and they learned from the very witness of God himself, Sabbathing for the first time. And as they were spending the first day, I'm sure he didn't go around silent. No, in other I'm words, sure. the Lord is showing him this and explaining. Yeah. Let me tell you that this one. Like, you should have yes. been there day two. It was crazy. Oh, then this happened. And what a what a full day it would have been. You know? Absolutely. Anyway. So the Sabbath was this day of education. I love what the quarterly says on Sunday, the last paragraph. It says the first Sabbath could not have been a passive experience for Adam and Eve. Mm. It was a God-created opportunity for them to focus on their creator and the created, and we're going to mm. actually see that as we go into Monday's lesson, which draws on some of the lessons of Sabbath keeping. Okay. Now, this context on Monday is when God gave the manna, and he gave it with certain Sabbath uh, right. provisions. And, you know, Israel had been, the Israelites had been in Egypt, and they had lost sight of Sabbath keeping. And mm -hmm. so this is part of a re-education, even before the giving of the commandments on Sinai. Which is one of our good points to our evangelical friends, because they say, well, the Lord That's only right. made it a mandate in Exodus chapter 20, but clearly <laughs> he had it outlined and modeled in Exodus 16. Well, yeah, yeah, Exodus 16 has Sabbath requirements, and the Lord says, even in the context in Exodus, Exodus 16, I want to see if they'll walk in my law or not. Exactly. So, so he had a law, clearly. Evidently. And he, and he, you're right, he teaches them these Sabbath lessons through that manna experience. So you might draw, I mean, these are some that I drew out of that Sabbath experience in Exodus 16, 14 to 29 is what the lesson highlights there. Um, one is trust in God's providence because you cease from your work and then God has to provide. And furthermore, there was the special provision of the manna on Friday. Mm -hmm. It didn't come on the Sabbath. So there had to be... And, and every other day you tried to keep it over for a day, it didn't last. Right. Then you so had there had to, to be a trust yeah. that God would provide for them. That was a lesson that mm -hmm. was learned. And part of the reason I bring these up is these are still lessons that the Sabbath teaches us today. Mm. Like when I don't work on the seventh day, and that's a, if you remember a time when you weren't a Sabbath keeper and you had to decide, am I going to keep a Sabbath? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to, my boss says, you're going to fire me if I, you know, and all these things. Mm -hmm. You've got to trust God's provision. Um, obedience to God's law. Obviously, those who didn't obey didn't eat, right? Yeah. He said, you can't gather it on the Sabbath. I'm going to gather it anyway on the Sabbath. Guess what? You go out on the nothing Sabbath, there. there's nothing there. Yeah. So there's that lesson that's learned, of course. Um, there's importance of planning ahead because there was no man on the Sabbath. There was preparing for the Sabbath. Mm, so that was a lesson it, that yeah. went, uh, and we talked about that a little bit, and not working so hard that you have no energy left to give to God on the Sabbath day. And then finally, the essence of relationship. Why did God have them do all this stuff ahead of time? So that their day, their schedule would be clear and they could spend time with him. And that's really the essence of Sabbath keeping. Mm -hmm. So those are some key lessons that the Sabbath teaches us. So the manna wasn't just obviously about food and his daily provision, right. but it was teaching the bigger lessons of trust in God and obedience and the benefits of following. Absolutely. All right. So the Sabbath was a day not just of rest, but of education. And, and it was a, to uplift man and teach him more about his creator, God. Okay? That's right. So let's go to talking point number two. Sabbath was a time, is a time for community. Now, the lesson didn't bring out Leviticus 23, yeah, verse 3. And how but is that possible? <laughs> I, I had to go there. 
Okay. So um, perhaps you want to read that for us, Leviticus 23.3. Sure, Leviticus 23. Now, and Leviticus 23 is all about, exactly not just, it starts out with the seventh-day Sabbath, and though it goes on to talk about all the feast Sabbaths as well. Mm-hmm. So there's similarities, but... But clearly the, the template for all the feast Sabbaths was the weekly Sabbath, That's right. right? And in Leviticus 23.3, it says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, comma, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it, for it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And of course, tell us what a convocation. Convocation, of course, means to convocate, to gather together, <laughs> to come together. So it just is just like the dictionary. It's like convocation. What does it mean? To convocate. convocate. Oh, I gotta go and look that one. Right. But it means to come away from the individual and yes. gather as a group. And so sometimes, and we see this even in the Seventh Day Adventist Church today, that Sabbath is my time, and the Sabbath is a blessing for yeah. me individually, which it is. But there is an expectation from That's day right. one that God's people would gather together um, for a communal aspect of Sabbath keeping. Well, I put in the outline that God intended that a portion of the Sabbath would be spent. Obviously, it's not every moment every of the Sabbath. Every moment of the day, of course. But a portion of the Sabbath would be spent in corporate worship. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament church, even in places where there wasn't a synagogue, like, for example, Acts 16, they met by the riverside, there was still that corporate element. Right. And incidentally, this includes Sabbath school... Come on now. And it includes the fellowship that we have. So it's not just the worship service where you're skating in at 1137. It's like, well, I think I should get a piece of this sermon and be... Well, I have a quote about that. So let me share it with you. This is from uh, uh, Child Guidance, page 530. I think it's probably in other places too. Uh, But it says, Fathers and mothers should make it a rule that their children attend public worship on the Sabbath. And already Mm -hmm. that's dangerous language because we're having (laughs) parents being parents making rules. But then it says, and should enforce the rule by their own example. So this is for the adults and the children alike, right? She goes on to say, it is our duty to command our children and our household after us, as did Abraham. By example, as well as precept, we should impress upon them the importance of religious teaching. Now listen to this. All who have taken the baptismal vow have solemnly consecrated themselves to the service of God. They are under covenant obligation to place themselves and their children where they may obtain all possible incentives and encouragement in the Christian life. So if you think, as I've heard so many people, well, I mean, it's a good option. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Clearly there's a duty to put ourselves in the place that God has established for our benefit on the Sabbath day. Yes. The quarterly brings up on Thursday, last paragraph, the combination of Sabbath school with the divine preaching service and other Sabbath meetings, youth meetings, for example, give a strong formal educational base to Seventh-day Adventist worship. And you had mentioned also Hebrews chapter 10. How can you not put Leviticus mm-hmm. 23 and Hebrews 10 in an attendance passage? I don't know. But well, we did it. <laughs> we did it. So it's going to be, and we encourage you to do the same <laughs> in your study. But um, verses 24 and 25 uh, of Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, of course, consider means to think about and not just yourself. Yes. And how many people say, well, I don't get much out of it. It's not really for right. me. But he says, stop thinking about you. Think That's about right. other people in order to stir up love and good works. And the picture I have in my mind is that works and good good works and love are in the church, but sometimes they get dormant. They settle yes. in, right? you got to stir them up. And how do you do that? Verse 25, by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Yes. So apparently even in the early church, it had become a habit, a routine to like, well, I don't really get much out of it. I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to assemble which honestly gives me a lot of hope. You could have had Paul as your preacher that day. Right. And so it's not like they weren't having good enough preaching. or right. It's just people are people, regardless of what century they're born in. And 
it goes on to say, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Speaking of the second coming of Christ. Right, that's the capital D day of the coming of the Lord. So this applies particularly in our day as there is the tendency to drift away from the corporate, to think of the more, what am I going to get out of it? When the reality is we should be thinking of each other more, how can we come together and serve the Lord more effectively, especially as we see him coming? That's right. So, a lot there. Now, I, I just need to say, like, the lesson on Thursday is a time for community, but then it spends most of its text talking about the, the apostles' corporate worship. So that's where we've mm. chosen to go with Leviticus 23 and Hebrews 10, for example, which to me speak more of corporate worship. The mm -hmm. issue of the idea of uh, worshiping by the riverside because it just shows that there was a, that emphasis to, yeah. on corporate worship even when there wasn't a synagogue, et cetera. So that's okay. where I would recommend going. Now, our final uh, talking point is number three, God calls for Sabbath reform in these last days. Now, uh, once again... What on, a great transition that was for as we see the day approaching. And now right. we're moving to the last days. What a, yeah, that's what right. a nice transition. And uh, on Tuesday's lesson, it starts out with the ups and downs of Israel's experience. But then they go to Jeremiah 17, which I, I, I don't even recall. Maybe there is a mention of the Sabbath in there, but it's slight. Um, so I chose to go with Ezekiel 20, verses 12 to 20. Now, the point is the same that the lesson is making. And I've put this. It was often their disregard of the Sabbath that led to Israel's downward idolatrous spiral. Mm. And Ezekiel really outlines that clearly in Ezekiel 20, 12 to 20. Their disregard of the Sabbath led them in all kinds of problems, mm -hmm. okay? And so what's interesting is, so Ezekiel the prophet addresses it, God's other, Jeremiah does address it, not as, it, it, more clearly in other places than Jeremiah 17. I mean, the whole idea of the 70 years of captivity so the land could have its right, rest so and all this other Sabbaths, business. Yeah. But what, what's interesting is coming out of that, God's people were very careful not to do the same thing and violate the letter of the law on the Sabbath. Yeah. And so when you come to Christ's day, they're very particular about the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. The problem is, and as I put it in the outline, there was a danger of continuing to uphold the form of the Sabbath without the substance of the Sabbath. So the lesson on Wednesday goes into examples of the disciples of Christ uh, plucking grain on the Sabbath and the religious leaders calling him a Sabbath breaker for that right. and Jesus healing people on the Sabbath and they're calling him out as a Sabbath breaker for mm -hmm. those things. Well, he wasn't breaking the Sabbath, no. but he, but they had lost the substance of Sabbath keeping. Right. In, in, in the history of Israel on this and particularly as it applies to the last days in our experience is, is very helpful because in Israel, as you mentioned, the early yes. experience, they had disregarded the letter of the law and they were just kind of doing every man for himself, like breaking the Sabbath willy-nilly and, and it led them into captivity. But right. in the correcting of that, they said, we're going to be so rigid on the Sabbath, we're going to make sure the form's in there. <laughs> and so who is breaking the Sabbath more? The idolatrous pre-exile you know, yes. Hebrews or the religious leaders of Christ's time. And we would be tempted to say, well, the problem with them is they were hyper-Sabbath keepers. No, they weren't. That's right. They were breaking the Teachings Sabbath. Teachings for doctrines and commandments of men. Exactly. So both of them are, are examples of how not to keep the Sabbath. Yes. One in indulgence, one in subscription uh, to these man-made rules. But what Christ did was live out the Sabbath in its fullness, right? So he didn't do secular work, but he also wasn't idle and uh, just lazing about sleeping the day away. Right. So he was a corrective measure and not one against the other, but the true above both. Right. Yes. And I think that's fascinating. Well, you were bringing up, in fact, we're going to get to this in a minute. There's a question on the bottom of Monday that caught my attention. It's in that shaded section, and mm -hmm. it says, you were talking to a teenager, 
and I added, or an adult. Because <laughs> apparently only teenagers <laughs> yes, struggle with this. <laughs> who is finding Sabbath boring. Yes, he yes. is keeping it holy because it is what the Bible and his parents... He's keeping it only. Parents, he's not keeping it holy. Yes. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks for the clarification. He is keeping it only because this that is what the Bible and his parents say he must do. What suggestions will you give to help him rediscover the Sabbath as a positive learning experience? Now, I can appreciate where they're going with this, but mm -hmm. my concern is there's this implication that the only reason that young people or older people find the Sabbath boring is you haven't explained to them that it can be a learning experience. Now, I just want to draw out from this, how can you help them rediscover the Sabbath as a positive learning experience? Already from what we've covered in the lesson, what are some of the main learning experiences on the Sabbath? The Sabbath school, mm -hmm. the preaching service, right? Mm -hmm. The thing which not just teenagers, but others find boring. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell him, hey, listen, but if you understand that really you could learn a lot if you listen to the sermon and you can learn a lot if you pay attention <laughs> yeah. and you do your Sabbath school lesson ahead, then all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, great. I'm not bored anymore. No. Mm -hmm. And the reality is while there is a truth to, to, you talked about it and we'll talk about it a little bit more to the church service just becoming uh, uber formal mm -hmm. so that it really lacks any life. Mm -hmm. And yes, that can lead to con contribute to a boring service. The reality is, and I put this in the lesson, the sad reality is that many find the Sabbath boring because, because they find Jesus boring. Mm. And the reality is, one thing I love to do on the Sabbath is, now there's the corporate worship, and I love the sermons on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I love the Sabbath school and the Sabbath study time. But even more than that, I love to be able to spend some time that I don't get always during the week to read the Bible, to read some inspired writings or something. I find that fascinating, but I'm going to tell you, not everybody finds that fascinating. Mm. Why not? Because they don't find the Lord fascinating. In other words, and I'll continue on with what I have here, the sad reality is that many find the Sabbath boring because they find Jesus boring. They find no pleasure spending time with him. Mm. And, the, and, the, and this is what we're talking about with the, the substance of the Sabbath is gone, so we still go through the motions, but we're not finding joy with the Lord anymore. And you talked about the two extremes, the traditional Sabbath keeping versus the, the, the liberating of the Sabbath mentality. Right, right. And a lot of times people would probably answer that, well, you got to understand it's not this rigid boring thing. You can do whatever. And, and, right. you, and it goes back to that pendulum idea. Either you're going to yes. not keep it correctly this way or not keep it correctly that way. And you have to vacillate between them. Well, like I look at Isaiah 58, for example, and I'm sure we're going to get there in a minute. But to me, it seems such an odd way of phrasing it. In verse 13, if you turn your foot away from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, so like yes. clearly it's a day of not a pleasure. No, it's just not a day of your pleasure, That's right? Because right. the very next thing, and call the Sabbath a delight. So how do I not do my pleasure, but find delight in it? I have to be delighted in different things than just self-seeking. Yeah, if I'm going to ever to appreciate it. Exactly. That's going to take a new person. I don't have it in me. And so that's the real issue. Well, you were talking about the idea of liberating the Sabbath. Like there are people today that are like, hey, let's not be so rigid. We right. go out to eat on the Sabbath and I spend more time with my family. We go to the park and this and that. Mm -hmm. None of that is spending time with the Lord. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, what happens is some people have made the Sabbath more of a joy or delight to them because they're doing more of what they delight Right. In. They're doing the my pleasure on the Sabbath and calling it. Yeah, it because spending those places... That, that time with the Lord is mm. not delightful. I mean, that's the point that we, we, people have got to come to that. Now we can, I guess we can tell ourselves different things, but the reality is you mentioned Isaiah, that this is talking point. Number three is God calls for Sabbath reform in the, these last days. Yes. This is exactly why we are repeating in, in, in substance, the, the, um, failures of Israel. 
Yes, and we so are. in our Sabbath keeping, while we may not be worshiping Baal at the same time, we are in many cases losing the substance of our Sabbath keeping, and God calls for reform. And again, I think that's, that's why Christ's doing. example of Sabbath keeping was so radical to both ends, because it wasn't the jettisoning of the law of God, that's just right. to seek your own pleasure, nor was it of subscribing yourself to those rigid rules that the Pharisees had made up, he demonstrated that you can be holy and happy and living a full active experience and on that day, uh, which was foreign to both false right. forms of Sabbath keeping, right? Well, I almost passed over this. This is, uh, you know, Wednesday, the bottom of Wednesday's lesson brings us similar into this whole discussion. It says, what about your own Sabbath keeping? Have you turned it into a day of just don't do this and don't do that rather than time to truly rest in the Lord and know him better? And that's what we're mm. talking about. The substance is knowing the Lord better. And it makes me think of a passage. Uh, I'm taking this from Third Selective Messages 258. In fact, uh, it's a passage of Ellen White's writings that I have shared with a lot of young people in explaining how to read the writings of Ellen White. And it sounds really... Um, Kind of your preamble is like this is going to sound bad. It's kind of bad. draconian, yeah. Okay. yeah. But but let me share it. It says every working of Christ in miracles was essential and was to reveal to the world that there was a great work to be done on the Sabbath day for the relief of suffering humanity. But the common work was not to be done. Pleasure seeking, ball playing, swimming was not a necessity, but a sinful neglect of the sacred day sanctified by Jehovah. Well, then people come away with this initial knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. it's like, she's, she's saying swimming, she gets the yeah. ball. Yeah. And, and if you go back and read it, it's, it's profound. And I'm going to go again from the beginning. Every working of Christ in miracles was essential and was to reveal to the world that there was a great work to be done on the Sabbath day for the relief of suffering humanity. In other words, Jesus, in his healing on the Sabbath, was modeling how we should keep the Sabbath to bless others. Mm. In that context, she says... The common work was not to be done. Pleasure-seeking, ball-playing, swimming was not a necessity, but a sinful neglect. And that word neglect is key. Mm. A neglect is not something you do. It's something you've left undone. Right. So there, there's the, nothing inherently wrong with swimming, no. but doing it in the place of the thing that God yeah, has the, asked the you to do. the thing she's saying, if you're ball-playing, swimming, doing your own pleasure, you're not going to have time to minister to the needs of suffering right, right. humanity, which is what Jesus modeled. Yeah. That's his Sabbath-keeping. So when you understand it in that context, she's not against these things. What she's saying, and what the Lord is saying through his prophet, is he's talking about the substance of your Sabbath-keeping. If your Sabbath-keeping is delighting in the Lord and mm -hmm. serving your fellow man, you're going to know why you don't do this, don't do that. And it's not going to be about don't do, don't do, don't yeah. do. It's going to be, I'm too busy. Yeah, I don't have time to for do that because I'm doing this. I'll do that yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And you, again, we look at the model of Christ. It was not a day of inactivity and, and complete, you know, separating from the world. He was very engaged in the world on the Sabbath, right? He was, right. It was a very busy day, but it was still a day of rest because it was rest from his normal activity and, and fully engaged in the Lord's activity. And that's the model he gave for us. That's right. So you brought up Isaiah 58. I and did. The, Isaiah 58, time permitting, I mean, it outlines so much of what faithful Sabbath keeping and ministering to our fellow man and whatever. Oh, yeah. It, it's huge. <laughs> but you come down to the end before it really ties in the Sabbath idea and then says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, that just means you've been trampling underfoot. Stop doing it from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, and honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, etc., etc. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. Now, just prior to that, it also says that God is going to raise up among his people a generation 
that will be called repairers of the breach, mm -hmm. restore of paths to dwell in. Ellen White applies that specifically. And if you want to take time, you can look at Prophets of Kings 6, 7, 7 and 8. But the idea is she applies that repairs of the breach to God's people, especially at the end of time, who will restore the picture of proper Sabbath keeping. Again, the heart of it is turning your foot away from trampling it from doing your pleasure and starting to delight yourself in the Lord, mm -hmm. spending the time with the Lord, keeping the Sabbath so you can spend time with the Lord. And when mm -hmm. that is in place, then right. the rest starts to make sense. Beautiful, beautiful. So it takes a restored people to enjoy uh, uh, the blessings of a Sabbath. Right? That's right. And uh, the final quote here in the lesson it was the last page of the lesson, uh, Friday's lesson. Fantastic uh, quote. Desire of Ages 283. I believe Mrs. White has done a very good job of summing all this up. She writes, no other institution which was committed to the Jews tended so fully to distinguish them from surrounding nations as did the Sabbath. God designed that its observance should designate them as his worshipers. It was to be a token of their separation from idolatry and their connection with the true God. But in order to keep the Sabbath holy, men must themselves be holy. Through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. When the command was given to Israel, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, the Lord said also to them, Ye shall be holy men unto me. Only thus could the Sabbath distinguish Israel as the worshipers of God. So there the Lord is calling for that re returning to a faithful Sabbath keeping. Right. A, a, a resting in God's perfect work of redemption Beautiful. in receiving the righteousness of Christ, and then we become that sign. That's right. So if we're going to have a restoration of the Sabbath, we need a restoration of Sabbath keepers, yes, you know, ourselves. Right. And God has promised to do that for us. Amen. Amen. Mark, can you close us with prayer today? Yes, indeed. Father in heaven, we are just so thankful for the blessing of the Sabbath. And Lord, for this lesson to remind us of the need for perhaps reform in our own lives and our own hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to call the Sabbath a drudgery, but a delight as we mm. seek to turn from doing our pleasure and seek you with all of our hearts, Lord, and, and use the opportunity and the, uh, the, the uh, time we have on the Sabbath to spend that time getting to know you better and understanding your will more for our lives. And Father, we pray that your renewing spirit would continue to work in heart, our hearts to make us holy so that we can keep your Sabbath day holy and be that special sign to the world around us that you have designed us to be. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.